And what we're doing, so we, we, started, we started a series uh, several weeks ago. It feels like this should be week four. This is actually really week three. Uh, it's called My Hot Mess. And we're talking about our hot messes because they're so easy to identify and other people. And the reason we are able to identify that other people are hot messes is because it takes one to know one. Right? Somewhere inside, you've got things that you're, that you're struggling with, that, that you're working on, and it's really easy to point out other people's hot messes. It's really easy. There's no talent, right, um, to point out other people's flaws and mistakes. It's, 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 it's not hard to judge, and we are talking about how to do that. And so the answer to addressing our hot messes, right, is through grace. And we talk about grace as, as, as America, as all the churches, but you never really find out, like, what grace is. We have all the Bible verses, you know, like, you know, my grace is sufficient through you, through my weaknesses, and things like that. And it's like, oh, my grace covers, covers everything. You're just like, oh, yeah, that's in the Bible. I'm not really sure where it's at. But we, we say grace. We rip off grace. But really, at the end of the day, if you had to say, well, how is grace implemented in your life? How does grace affect you? Is grace drawing you closer to Jesus? You would probably back up for a moment. And you'd say, well, maybe I don't quite understand what grace is and how it operates and what it does. And can I give it away? And we talked about that first, uh, first week about how to take grace and accept it. And when people, when, when you identify a person who has a hot mess, our first intention is to point it out and to say, oh, you're a hot mess. You do this, you do that, you do it this way, you do it that way. But really, this is where grace gets, a, it's not tricky, it's just that we've grown up not really understanding what grace truly is. When you see a person that's a complete hot mess, that is an opportunity from the Lord. Okay, that's an opportunity from the Lord for you to respond to him, not even necessarily that person. You are going to respond to that person, but you're going to respond to God first. Instead of taking that situation and just being like, you're a hot mess. This is all the problems that you have to deal with. This is why I'm upset at you. This is why I struggle to forgive you. This is why I can't give you grace. Whatever it means, this is why I can't give it to you, right? We're actually going to respond to God first by saying, you showed it to me. And yet while I was a sinner and you loved me first, and even while I was sinning, you still came and died for me. You didn't ask me first to get right with you, and then you would come and die for me. You came for me first, that's the truth. Now let me talk to you about grace. So when you actually give people grace first, you actually are responding to your Lord and Savior before they receive anything, because they may not be ready to receive the grace that you have to offer, because we do that, because that's what God did for us. And so we talked about that the first week. We talked about the concept of it. The second week we talked about how to receive grace, because sometimes it's incredibly challenging to be forgiven. Sometimes we don't like accepting grace. We, we feel like we should feel worse about something or that we're not good enough for something or that we should go the extra distance to make up for our past. And Jesus says, that is not what grace is. That is that, that's why the, 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 the message was so challenging in the, Old, or in the New Testament with the Pharisees and Sadducees is they're saying, Jesus, you're saying that I can be forgiven. We, you, you have to earn your way. You have to earn your way back into my good graces. And so even though the church preaches grace and teaches grace, the, how we know we still don't understand it is because we still charge for it. Okay, grace is the free, unmerited favor of God, but we charge for it all the time. I will forgive you if you will ask forgiveness. Okay, well, that, that may be nice. That may even be the way it ought to be, but that's not grace, right? Jesus didn't say, get right with me first, and then I'll come and die for you, and then I will decide to love you, if you are worthy, which we are not, right? So we have a, we have a tendency to charge us. Yes, we can be on good terms again 
if you will do this, if you'll start changing immediately. Now, you can give grace and not have to be a part of that relationship as long as it talks, but you can still forgive that person. And so we've always talked about grace, but we've never really truly understood what it meant, like in our families and in the country. We just hear the word grace, and we only apply it to truth sometimes. We say, oh, well, Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, and, we're, and absolutely, right? But if you just take the message of Jesus, the good news, and you never put grace into it, it has a tendency to become religious. It's like you have to do this in order for Jesus to love you. Well, does it? Does it say that? Does it say that? So that's what we've been investigating. So as you are looking in your notes, as you're taking notes, as you've got your phones open, I want to remind you that grace is first the free. It's free. It's unmerited. You can't earn it. It's the free unmerited favor, and it's the blessings of God. And we, so now that we've defined what grace is, we, 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 we find out where that really comes from. And if you've wanted to know who really preached the gospel of grace, it was the Apostle Paul. And we see them, and we'll dig into that a little bit later. What is a hot mess, right? No, you can't look to the person and say, this is the poster child in the dictionary of what a hot mess looks like. It can't be your spouse, right? But it can be an attractive disaster that's somewhat functional. That's what a hot mess is, right? It's an attractive disaster. You're kind of like, I like this but it's not good, and I'm a mess, and like I'm somewhat technically functioning, but I don't know how long I can do this for, right? So we're taking that idea, that hot mess, we're applying grace as a solution, and we're digging into what grace is, but because grace is free, it's unmerited, it's favor and it's blessings, where do we really begin to see the gospel of grace? And so I turn your attention to 1 Corinthians 15.10, which has been kind of like the undertone verse of where we've been drawing for, and we're going to get to the, the end of this verse today, to show you exactly kind of like a, like a complete thought. And this is Paul. And it says, but whatever I am now, right, whether you're a hot mess or maybe you just have it figured out, good for you. It's not me, and I don't have that, right? Uh, but whatever I am now, all right, so no matter what your week has been like, no matter how hurt you are by somebody else, no matter what kind of mess you've gotten yourself into, even if you're still just digging, you're just like, I have a hot mess. I think I'm just going to dig myself out of this. It's never happened before, but I'm going to keep trying now. Whatever I am now, it's because God poured out his special favor on me, right? The fact that you're here today reminds you that God loves you and that he's got a purpose for you. He's got direction. He's got guidance. And he's given us tools and resources to tap into that power, right? Like the Holy Spirit. Like we have the truth with Jesus. We have a loving father, right? We call him Abba. We call him Daddy. That's, that's actually how it's translated in the Bible, right? It's because of the relationship, right? It's all because God poured out his special favor on me that I'm here today, and not without results, right? You have something to show for. Maybe you don't think that you do, but yet that you're here, in fact, is a result. And maybe you say, well, Ryan, I've really worked hard for where I'm at today. That's awesome. And God's allowed you to work that hard. And God's allowed you to have that kind of favor in your life. You're not here today because God has just said, well, you know, we'll roll the dice on this and see what happens. I don't know, right? So whatever I am now, it's all because God poured out a special favor on me and not without results, for I have worked harder than any other apostles. Awesome, right? But still, though, even if you find yourself incredibly successful today, it's still not without God working through you. And that is going to be a really important word today, through. And I want you to write that down. At least I want you to be thinking about that. Through you. Through you. By through me in his grace, right? So right here we have through me, and we're going to be talking about through you. Not I, but God who is working through me by his grace. Lord, we love you. Jesus, you're good. And right now, church, I just in your spot, in your seat, I want you to just be preparing your hearts. Lord, we're here. And no matter, no matter, no matter where we find ourselves today, whether the mess is hot, maybe it's cold, 
Maybe it's lukewarm. Maybe it's everywhere. Maybe it's small. Maybe it's big. But Lord, we're here. Whatever the case may be, whatever our lives has brought us to this point, Lord, we put the past behind us because that's not going to help us. Only Satan reminds us of the past, not the future. So Jesus, we're here now. We're investing in grace. What does that mean for us? How can we draw closer to you through this? We love you. Amen and amen. So, God, I, I, I think in order to get ourselves out of kind of like a, like a, like a sympathy, poor me kind of setting, because a lot of the times when something bad happens to us, we're just kind of like, oh man, I can't believe this happened to me. And sometimes God allows things into our lives to stretch us, to mold us, to make us, to grow us, to mature us. And I, I, want, you to, I want you to hear this. God cares more about your character today than your comfort. God cares more about your future than your comfort. God cares more about your character and making the right decisions, right, the, 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 the honest ones, the ones that draw him closer to him than he does about your comfort. So if you're in a comfortable place today, all right, I want you to challenge, I want you to receive this as a challenge that God may want more from you. He may stretch you to be the person that he's called you to be. The thing is, is that this is what happens when we are in our lives, we're in our sticky situations and a problem comes up in our lives we say, Lord, and this, and this is how we pray, and this is going to be kind of like our main thought today, because, you know, you can only, you know, you talk about grace a lot, and there's only so many different aspects you can pull out of it, and this is how we're going to, we're going to be talking about our prayer lives just a little bit today, but when we are praying for ourselves, which is totally cool, because Jesus prayed for himself, right? I wouldn't be arrogant about it, or, or ignorant, you know, just, oh, Lord, help me, and only me, and help me, and only me, but when you're praying, how are you praying? Like, if you back up and look at your prayer life a little bit, are you just saying, oh, Lord, this is a problem that I'm in right now. I need you to fix me. I need you to fix this. You know, I need you, I need you to fix this. I need you to fix this. You know, I just, I just, need, to, I just need to roll up to a, a, a fixable solution gas station, and I just, want to, I just want to put a minimum in because I'm on a budget, and I just want to barely fill up my tank, and I, and I need it for the cheapest cost, and I need it quick, and I, need, and I certainly don't want to stand out in the cold. I want somebody else to do it for me. Like, sometimes we just pray, and we're just like, I just want the absolute bare minimum to get through. Lord, would you just fix my problem now. And that is not grace. That's not. That is not. Grace is a process. It's a process. It takes time. And the reason it takes time is because it changes you, right? The Lord is going to allow things that will allow you to grow and to stretch and to mature and ultimately change so that you will make less mistakes in the future, so that you will draw closer to him, right? We pray, when we begin to pray, we don't need to be praying, Lord, just fix this problem right now. And I'm not saying that there aren't needs that come up where you're just like, Lord, you need to step in and take care of this. That's not, that's not what the kind of problems we're addressing right now. We are addressing that moment where you're just like, I'm just, today I'm just praying for my kids, I'm just praying for my spouse, I'm just praying for my house, I'm just praying for my mortgage, I'm praying that I don't get let go over my job. Just these things, and I don't believe that that's the prayer life that Jesus has called us to pray. And we'll talk about how grace will draw you closer to that. You can't cram grace. You can't just wake up one day and be like, today, I want to be that next person. I want to be like five years down the road. You can't cram grace, but grace can cram you. Grace can make you feel uncomfortable when you really begin to get the concept and you really begin to administer that out and receive it accordingly. The process is called grace, a long thing here. And God loves you too much to leave you where you are. I love that quote by Andy Stanley. God loves you too much to leave you where you are. And how you go from A to B in your relationship, in your journey with Jesus is going to be through grace. It's going to be by giving it and by receiving it. And so we, we, we begin to pray, you know, are we only praying for the status quo? Oh, Lord, I just, I need this by Monday. And, you know, sometimes 
when, when I'm talking to my mom a little bit, I say, uh, I, 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 I joke about it, and I say, well, you know what, um, I have this thing I want you to fast with me over, I, want you, I have this thing I want you to pray with, and she's like, okay, well, you know, what are we talking about? So I kind of tell her, and she's like, when you, you know, and it's, it's only natural human nature to be like, well, wh- when do you need an answer by? When, when does Jesus, you know, like, wh- what is the deadline that you're on? And, you're, and, and you say to yourself, or I say to her, I say, Jesus isn't really on a deadline by Tuesday at noon, but Jesus is on a deadline by Tuesday at noon. You know, like, you, you joke about it, but you're kind of serious. You're just like, if, if there's not an answer to prayer by Tuesday on my time, on my deadline, this is going to happen. You know, and so sometimes we pray that. It's just like, oh, I only give God so much time, so much of a window to do his thing. And that is just, that's just the end result of humanity saying, I need a quick fix. I need it by now. I'll give God a certain amount of time to get right. I'll give God a certain amount of time to get it together. I'll give, I'll give God a certain amount of time to kind of fix it. But after that, and grace is going to allow you just to put that window open and just be like, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. I raise a hallelujah. I raise a praise and I just give it to you. I just give it to you. We got to stop praying. Just, just help this, help this, help this. Help me stay out of my job. Or, or, no, help me stay in my job. Sorry, don't pray yourself out of a job. That happens sometimes, right? You're just like, I really can't stand my job. And all of a sudden, like, you get let go. And, you're, and, and somebody says, uh, you prayed yourself out of a job. You asked for a new job. And so first, your job got let go first. And this is, and let, me, let me challenge you just a little bit more, okay? And I just want you to give me a, a, a little bit of, ben, or, um, you know, just, just grant it here. A little bit of grace here as I say this. Sometimes, a reflection of us not understanding grace is when we get on Facebook and we just say, America needs a re- revival, Awesome. What does that mean? What does, what, what, what does that mean? Like, well, Ryan, it's so bad right now, and it's so evil. Agreed. We just need a revival. Revival, whatever that means, it's just going to fix our problems. Well, I know that Jonah was called to Nineveh, and they had a revival, and everybody got saved, and 120 years later, he got burned alive. Okay, so, so maybe what we should have been praying for is a process, Something that will last, something that will draw us closer, something that will go beyond our generations, more generations for our children. Maybe we've been praying in a way that maybe isn't really lasting for whatever reason. And so we come to ourselves and we come to our senses and we say, what do I not understand that I'm not accurately praying for? How do I intentionally pray for something that's going to last? And the concept of grace is what it is. And so we look at it. So we look at the gospel of grace, and Paul, we, we read in the Bible that Paul is talking about the gospel of grace. Let me tell you something interesting about the word gospel. So when Jesus was on earth and, gospel, and, uh, and, and Paul was on earth, they weren't really running around saying, this is the gospel of Jesus, this is the gospel of grace. They were saying it was the good news, which is what the gospel means. But really in that context, back then when they were saying the word gospel, it was kind of turning people off a little bit because the word gospel back in that time meant news that was too good to be true, right? So they just started with raw concept. Jesus was truth, and Paul started teaching about grace. And you have to have one, right? It's a tension to manage. It's not a problem to resolve. And we'll, we'll speak a little bit that a little bit later. But the reason you hear that is the gospel of grace or just grace and just these regular, just raw words. It's just because that word meant, hey, I'm going to share with you something that's too good to be true. And you know that if somebody comes to you and says, hey, you give me a thousand bucks, I'll give you a return of 37% interest in your favor by the end of 30 days. Come on. You're like, yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm going to quit. And then they come back and they're just like, oh, it might have been a little bit too good to be true. So let me share with you the objective of grace. There's two things that grace does to us. And not understanding grace on one of these is what accidentally leads us into religion. 
instead of a relationship. Okay, so the first objective of grace is this. It's to cover you. It covers you. When you accept Jesus in your heart, you instantly get grace. It covers you. It covers your past. It covers the fact that you don't have to go to hell, that you have an opportunity to choose him and go to heaven. It covers you. That's what grace does for you. And then, because we've accepted Jesus, now because we have grace, it now justifies us. And this is a word that doesn't get talked about a lot either. Justification. Justification allows you someday to stand before God and go into heaven. It allows you to be adopted into his family. It allows you to be in his presence. But here's what happens, though. When you understand grace, and we're going to get to two verses here that explain this, when we accept Jesus into our hearts, we have a tendency sometimes to say, okay, now I must obey the law. And it's because of that, because I've accepted Jesus, because I'm now living for him, right? I'm doing his bidding. I'm doing the works. I'm obeying the law. Now I'm able to be present and accepted into God's family, and that is not true. That is where religion starts to creep in just a little bit. Religion says that if you will obey the law, you can stand right before God. No, 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 no. That is twisted. When you accept Jesus into your heart, you receive grace, right? Grace justifies you. Now, because we understand who Jesus is and what he's done for us, right? That he's covered us. Now I'm motivated to live for him. Now I'm motivated to draw closer because in my sins, while I was a sinner, he came and died for me because he loved me first. He didn't have to do that. It wasn't like, well, Jesus, if I will obey you enough and give my life to you, then I will be able to stand before you someday. He says, no, my friend, no, my child, that is religion. And that is what I came here to debunk. Remember, Jesus came for three reasons. He came to debunk the myths of who God was. God is a loving father. He then came to tell us who, how to treat other people. And then he was our substitute, right? We get that mixed up sometimes. We say that he came first because we had to do it, because we needed a way. And now if we work hard enough, we can go to, Jesus, or we can, we can go to heaven. No, 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 no. Grace is by accepting Jesus into our heart. Now that we've received grace, now that he's inside of us, we're justified. And now because we know how much he loves us and what he's done for us, now I want to obey him, right? Now I want to draw closer to him. But if you switch that up a little bit, You'll be like, well, I've been bad. I lied. I cheated. I stole. I didn't do this. I didn't do this. I didn't do this. I guess God doesn't love me anymore. I guess I have to start over with God in my relationship. No, no, that's not grace. And that's what we, that's what we confuse sometimes. So let's dive into some verses here. Let's look at Galatians 2, verse 16. Yet we know, yet we know that a person is made right, right? There's that justification. We're made right with God by faith in Jesus. Yes, we know that. Not by obeying the law. Awesome, Ryan. Are you giving me a free ride to love Jesus and do whatever I want? No. There's a period after that. There's more to the verse. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be right with God because of our faith in Christ, right? Paul really doubles up on on that theology there. Not because we've obeyed the law, For no one will ever be made right. Nobody will ever be justified in God's eyes by just obeying the law, right? There's more to this. So you begin to read this and you're just like, okay, there's something here that I'm not seeing and it's grace. Grace is in this verse. You go on to verse 21. I do not treat, there it is. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, right? Don't overlook it. It's how we're able to be here. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, if just obeying the law could justify us in God's eyes and allow us to get into heaven, 
there would have been no need for Christ to die. What are we doing right now? What are we doing? You and me right here. What are we doing? We're having a conversation and we're dissecting what grace is because a lot of times we've grown up thinking that grace is one thing. And the reason we have these brick walls sometimes in our spiritual relationship with Jesus, where it's like, I just can't seem to draw closer, is because every time we make a mistake, we say, oh, I have to start over. I thought that. I thought that growing up all the time. All the time. I was just like, oh, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. Guess you got to start over. Guess you got to, listen, because I'm a pastor, I'm so stinking spiritual. Let me just, let me just, you know, I'm just totally kidding, okay? Right? I don't get up in the mornings and have my devotions with God because I feel like if I don't, God's going to love me less. I get up in the morning and I do devotions because I'm, I want to draw closer to my Lord and Savior and because I know the difference. I do things for Jesus, with Jesus, through Jesus, because I want to be closer to him because he's done things for me that I can never repay. Salvation and grace. I can't, I can't repay that. And so when I finally accept the fact that I'm a human, flawed individual, right, who doesn't know hardly anything in life, I just say, Jesus, you're my Savior, you're my rock, and because you are leading me, I want to be closer to you. And then I begin to understand grace a little bit. It's when you can begin to forgive people is when you'll know you'll start to understand grace a little bit. When people's sins, right, don't bother you more than your own, you're beginning to understand the concept of grace. If people's sins are bothering you more than your own, you're struggling to understand the concept of grace. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying you can can accept Jesus and you can be so obedient. You can always show up to church and you can always show up on time. You can always show up on time. I'm just totally kidding right? You can always do this. You can always do this. You can always do this. And you will have a great life in Jesus. And that just may not be the case because you'll never know who your father is. Truly. There's no relationship there. There's just this religious experience. So I think it's important. And and this, this is where I knew that I may have to cut this off a little bit because I'd be, I just begin to write a little bit more. Let me tell you, if, 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 if you miss the concept of grace, you're going to start living a certain kind of way, if you're living this certain kind of way, maybe, maybe you're more of a religious, legalistic person than you are a, relation, a faith-based rela- uh, relationship person. This is the, the most important thing that you can maybe understand today is self-awareness so that you know what to dig into. If you just come here, it's like, oh, it's just flowers, it's just unicorns, it's just rainbows, it's just awesome, and you never grow, then there's no point, okay? So we want to make ourselves aware that if we are struggling with the concept of grace, can we answer these questions, or is the answer to these questions yes? So if you're taking notes on your phone, this is a great place for that box that's been that, that's inserted there for you, right? A person who doesn't understand the, the concept of grace is going to be angry with other people when they get it. If, if, if you're struggling with the concept of grace, you, you can ask yourself, am I upset when other people are forgiven, when other people get grace? Am I upset with that whole idea that why would they get that? They don't deserve that. You are correct. Does that bother you? Okay. Um, a person, a legalistic person, a person who doesn't understand the concept of grace, uh, constantly compares themselves to other people, right? I'm not going to parent like them. I'm definitely going to hit the gym more than that person is. I'm definitely going to get my kids checked into kids on time because they're always late. I'm not going to act that way. Okay, that whole idea is struggling with the concept of grace, right? What you're doing is something that you can't physically do, and therefore it's sin. You're judging. You can't actually pass judgment. It's physically impossible. What are you talking about? I'm talking about only God can judge a person. What is the difference? What is the, what is the significance of that? When you judge a person, or in order to judge a person, you have to know everything about them. You have to know their motives, their past, their thoughts, 
their feelings, where they're at. You have to know their future, okay? So you don't know that. You don't know their past. You have to know every fiber and ounce and being within them. You have to know everything about that person and love them still. Then and only then you can judge them. Guess what? None of us can do that. We'll never be able to do that. So when we actually judge somebody, instead of addressing their hot mess and just saying, hey, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you some grace, right? And I'm not going to charge you for it. I'm going to show you Jesus, how he showed it to me. I'm going to show it to you, right? Otherwise, if you, if, you, if you don't give them grace and you judge them, you're sinning. That's why judging is sinful, because you can't do it. You're acting in part of God, and he just says, that's not your role. That's not your place. That's not what I'm interested in you doing, right? I'm interested in you knowing my son, right? Being able to come into heaven with me and then drawing closer to me by living the life I've called you to be. So those are a couple things. Uh, uh, A person who lacks grace lacks joy. They might be happy sometimes, right? They might be happy sometimes, but they don't have joy because joy is internal. That's something that we get from Jesus and only Jesus, right? Uh, Feelings come and go all the time, right? How many of you know an emotional person? They're just like, on a whim, they'll just like make a really good or really terrible decision, right? So you know, you know what it's like to be around people that are like emotionally unstable is what I would probably call it, right? A person who lacks like internal joy doesn't understand the concept of grace. A person who doesn't understand grace feels like God is never happy with them. And that's what week two was a lot about, was being able to receive grace. I do this. Oh, I do this. I made a mistake. God probably hates me. You don't get it, man. You don't get it. And that's okay. And that's why we're having this series. That's why we're talking about our hot messes. Let's talk about kinds of grace. Maybe one of these graces will is the kind of grace you're needing to receive today in order to understand and, 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 and how to ultimately pray. I'm praying, right? My prayer for your prayer is that your prayer language will be challenged or changed by the grace of God. So let's talk about six very quickly things about different types of grace. The first one is this, the grace of forgiveness. This one's hard. This was put up first because it's the hardest one, right? We all do wrong. We all sin. Sin leaves us guilty. Guilty people need to be condemned and punished. And Jesus saw that. God saw that in Romans 3.23. And while you were still a sinner, I sent my son to die for you. I saw you in your sin. You deserve to be punished. You deserve to be condemned. You deserve to go to hell. And I offered truth and I offered grace to you. That was called forgiveness. How about the grace of acceptance that we are adopted? We're adopted into God's family. We're his children. God not only adopts and offers acceptance, but he welcomes it. And I think that's hard to understand and admit sometime. You're not just able to come into my house for dinner, but you're invited. You're welcomed, and you will be loved. That's hard sometimes. That's hard sometimes to accept that. We see that in Ephesians 1.5. The grace of presence. God is not distant from you today. We see that in the Bible all over. When you pray, God hears you. God is not distant. He is here. The Holy Spirit, who does he reside in? He resides in us. He's always with us. We see that in Psalms 16.11. What about the grace of enablement, right? Sin leaves us weak and very vulnerable, very or or not not vulnerable but unable sin leaves us lame weak and unable and god comes in and he intervenes and he says i'm now going to allow you to live the life you've been called to live without grace we can't become that person god's called us to be that's super important hear that today you can't be the person god's called you to be without the gospel of grace the news 
that is too good to be true, but is. I love that part. I love the part. Number five, the grace of freedom. This is, this is, this is mind-blowing. Grace gives you the freedom to not have to live like tomorrow's the last day. Gives you a chance to be called to something, to serve something, to be excited about something, to do something out of your norm, out of your comfort, uh, comfort zone. Grace gives you the chance to stretch and be like, 10 years ago person would not have even looked in this direction and look where I'm at now and the joy that I'm feeling doing it. That's the grace of freedom. To not have to be chained to the old self. And you only find that in the redemption of Jesus, not evil and not sin. The grace of completion. This is, this is an interesting one. So, the grace of completion, that's a really important word. And we, we see that uh, at, at the end of um, the, the 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 10, where we're talking about, you know, c- c- the completion a little bit. So, I went to Central Bible College, right? Well, that is what the world knew that name is, but if you attended it, it was called Central Bridal College. We were led to believe that you couldn't go into ministry without a spouse. That we were not complete in our own relationship with Jesus and the ministry and the mission that he's called us to do. We were only going we to be able to do that if we were married. They said, guys, you can't possibly... Go into ministry on your own because if you're not married, who's going to play the piano? No worship. And you, and, and you can't have service without worship. Didn't you read that back in Genesis? And the Bible was written, and you have to have worship for 17 and a half minutes by these instruments. doesn't say it. It doesn't say that, does it? It doesn't say that. Some of you are like, really? I missed that verse. Like, where is that? Right? It's not in there. It's not in there along with a lot of stuff that we hear these days. It's not in there. And women, ha, please. Like, you can go into ministry without a man. A man completes you. I mean, women aren't beautiful. They can't have children. They They can't can't be amazing. They're not great speakers. They're not great communicators. They're not fabulous mothers. They're none of those things. It has to have a man to make that happen. We were just led to believe that, like, you couldn't be the person God had called you to be unless you married. And, and, and this is what I tell young people. You're complete in Jesus. You're complete in Jesus first. You're complete in Jesus and who you've been called to be. You're complete that you were wonderfully knitted together before your first heartbeat, before your first breath, that you were set apart. You know what that word means, set apart? It means you were anointed. That's what that means. There was a plan and a purpose and, and direction for your life before you were even a twinkle in your folks' eyes. You're complete in Jesus first. So if you're single, be single. Be single. If, you're, if you want to do something, you don't need somebody else to complete you. That's what Jesus is for. That's what Jesus is for. And so the grace of completion allows you to be complete in Jesus first. Now, if he brings somebody to your side, that's awesome. And don't feel bad if you're sitting here today and you're just like, how did I not know these things? How did, how did I, maybe, maybe you're just like, dude, I've known all this. You, you just keep teaching to those, you know, whatever the case may be. Listen, it's okay if this is a reminder for you. This was a reminder for the apostle Peter, okay? Paul had to find Peter to tell him to shut up 
Because he had reverted back to religious things, Jewish culture, that Jesus had preached against. And Paul's like, hey, Peter, stop. Even Peter had to be reminded of this. So don't feel bad if this is, if this is, if this is a reminder. Here's the second thing I want to remind you, right? So the first thing was, let's talk about the different kinds of grace. Here's the second thing. Grace through you. Grace through you. Philippians 1.6. By the way, we're in it to win it now, okay? The point of no return has come and gone. Philippians 1.6. I am certain, ooh, I love that word. I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, Maybe your spouse, but that's not who we're talking about. Or your parents that raised you, or your friends that continue to encourage you. They're not bad things, but this is for you today. Began a good work within you. Brian, I have nothing to offer. Then this verse is a lie. And I do not believe on any level that the Bible is incorrect. Perfect. And I'm certain That God, right, still getting written by Paul here, who began a good work within you, another huge word, will continue. The process will continue his work until it is finally finished. Parentheses, you write in completion. This is like the home run Bible verse of today. So let me read this again because everything that we're talking about is now right here in this verse. I am absolutely without a shadow of doubt that God's not crazy. I'm so, I'm so clear that I'm going to say the word certain. I'm certain that God who is, who began you, started your life, allowed you to be here through his grace is doing a good work within you and will continue it through you until its completion, until the day Jesus comes back. Well, Jesus may come back for you tomorrow. It's called death. So that may be tomorrow. That might be this evening. That may be that the rapture comes and we all go together. Hey, whatever. But here's the thing. This is grace that allows us to do these things. The, The fuel for this verse, you are the vehicle. The fuel is grace. God cares too much about you to leave you where you are. And he's going, to com- he's going to start something with you. He's already started it. Maybe you're here and you're just like, Ryan, I'm just like, I'm the, I'm the nastiest, most sinful, blatant person. And here's the cool thing. You're here. That means God has started something inside of you, whether you know it or not. A good work within you. And most importantly, he will continue to work through you. And the most, most important thing, until it is finished, which means there is a plan for you. You've been called to do it. And you're able to do that freedom. You're able to have that kind of life. You're able to have it abundantly. You're, you're able to do it. You're able to have the presence of God. You're accepted because of it. You've been forgiven of it. All because of grace. You are able to find the completion in this. But what this means right? Within you, continue, finish, meaning completion, means that this is a process. Means that grace is a process. It's not a quick fix. It's going to take some time because it's going to challenge you. It's going to stretch you. It's going to mold you. It's going to be a little painful. And when you come out on the other side, when, not if, when you come out on the other side, you will be a much more mature individual. And you will have broken those brick walls and you will have drawn closer to Jesus. And that is the whole idea of grace. So, how does this refer to our prayer life? How are you praying today? 
Are you simply just saying, Lord, I just, I need this, I need this, I need this. Help my kids to stay out of trouble. Help my husband to stay out of trouble. Help my wife to stay out of trouble. And you're just preaching for the status quo. Lord, just, just get me through today. Lord, show me vision for my life. Put the right people in my life to challenge me. The ones that make me say, oh, I don't want to hear that, but okay. Right? What kind of prayer life? Are you, are you being audacious? Are you being fearless? Here's one word that we don't pray for because we have a, a negative connotation with it, but yet it's awesome. Vulnerability. Vulnerability. You have to be vulnerable in your prayer life. And I'll tell you why, because this is what vulnerable being. Being vulnerable doesn't mean that you're weak. It means that it's not about winning or losing. It's about you willing to show up when you don't have control of the outcome. That's called courage. And in your relationship with the Lord, to fully understand what grace means to cover you, you will have to be vulnerable with the Lord. The willingness, the courage to show up, because it's not about winning or losing, it's about showing up when you don't have control. When you don't have control. That's how we should pray, Lord, Put in my life things that are going to grow me, stretch me. And you're going, to, you're going to pray a lot of these things, and now you're going to say, but Lord, let me continue to understand the process of grace. Let me be more forgiving. Let me live in freedom. Let me take chances. Let me get out of my comfort zone. Because God's going to say, you know what? I'm going to honor that. And your protection in this process is my covering of grace for you. Because you didn't need it, you didn't earn it, you certainly don't deserve it, but I gave it to you. And if he's called you, if he's done all the legwork for you before you were born, imagine what he wants to do with you now that you're here. There's a reason for you to be here. Ban, would you join me? I want to read you this verse, Acts 20, verse 24. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it. Here it is. We're talking about grace. If we don't understand the concept of grace, we can't use the last verse about completion. So, but my life is not worth anything unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. This is, it would be such a a, a tragedy, church, if you're, don't check out yet. This verse is completing our thought for today. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing what I've been called to do And as I go to war for my family, as I go to war for my spiritual life, as I go to war for my finances, the thing that covers me is God's grace. It's the ability to make well-intentioned mistakes along the way and God not hold it against me. I did this thing for my family. I thought it was going to work out. It didn't. You don't have to start over. You keep pressing. You keep going. Maybe you have to ask for forgiveness along the way. The work of telling others the good news. The news that is too good to be true, but nevertheless is about the wonderful grace of God. Right? You have good news.